With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Justin here along with the cousins, Derek and Tyler. We have a fantastic show lined up for tonight. The college football professor, Adam McClintock, will be joining us. We'll be discussing his updated analytical model and projections for the 2019 college football season. We've had him on before. Great visit. Love it. Uh, But first, before we get into that, we got to talk about a new wide receiver transfer the Huskers have acquired. I'm going to butcher this name. Kanawai Noah? Kanvai Noah? You guys know who I'm talking about. He's uh, the wide receiver from Cal. Uh, he had 94 receptions for 1,224 yards and six touchdowns while at Cal. Uh, he had battled an injury last year and limited him, but uh, it's a great pickup. I mean, great pickup for a wide receiver room that we kind of had doubts about. Tyler, what does this mean to the Husker offense? Well, I, mean, I think it puts us having one more credible wide receiver. I mean, th- we, we don't know what he's going to bring. But what we do know is his sophomore year at Cal, the guy had over 780 yards receiving. Uh, the guy has been called by Cal in leaving one of the toughest players on the roster. So you look at a guy day one, he'll be able to come into Lincoln and contribute. And, and is that a starting spot? Is that the sixth guy in the rotation? I don't know yet. But I mean, the the fact that we have one more body that looks like he's a credible person is a huge win for what this offense wants to do. Um, I, I, it puts more flexibility in Wandell Robinson and Miles Jones being able to take snaps at running back, which they may have to. Um, I, I just think this extra body is a huge win for the Huskers all the way around. Derek. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's funny cause he's only a three star coming out of high school with like an eight, eight, Point eight five. He was uh, the sixth best Hawaiian player coming out of twenty fifteen class. He's a number one hundred wide receiver out of the out of the uh, class of twenty fifteen. His so you didn't think he was going to be that high to begin with, but he's been productive. And if you watch his highlights, he's got good hands. Uh, of course, highlights always kind of make it look a, probably a little better than what it really is. But he has some really good catches in it under his belt. Uh, I, Tyler, I think the one thing it brings, like kind of like what you were talking about, is it, at the very minute, at least brings competition to that room, to where some of these seniors like Woodyard and Mike Williams are going to have to really step up if they want to try and beat this guy out. And so I think I think what this staff is saying to these guys is, your job's not safe, buddy. Uh, the other thing, the other thing about it is Tony Tuyoti. Is really proving he's going to have a say with some of these Polynesian kids. Like these Hawaiian kids are going to start taking Nebraska seriously. It looks like because he is just all over the place with these kids, and especially our offensive line and defensive line. When we start picking up some of those kids because those are where they where Hawaiian kids really seem to to strive the best. So it, he's doing an awesome job. So. Derek, I want to back up to something that you said earlier, talking about the coaching staff. Uh, we talked about this on the podcast uh, during spring uh, practice. Uh, Troy Walters, he really challenged the wide receivers, and he admitted in a interview, uh, press conference, that, you know, basically uh, he said, you know, if you guys can't do the things that we're asking you to do, well, we're going to go find somebody that can. So is this a testament to, you know, what the, he's not seeing out of his receivers, uh, is that what's 
what caused him to bring it in? Because if you look at this, guys, uh, our scholarship, we're, we're close to max right now, right? Uh, do you bring in a wide receiver under that scenario, or are you going after you know some of these other position groups that you think is more in need? Uh, is, is that So let me – part one of that. Is that a hit on our current wide receivers, Derek? Well, I, I think it probably could be a hit on the on the wide receivers. I, I don't know if this is a they're not getting it done or we just really want to challenge them more kind of situation. But you, you talked about, you know, whether we should have brought a wide receiver in, but Tyler was all over this last time we talked about this during the spring that that would have been one of the positions he would have definitely gone after to get a grad transfer. So, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I personally thought you should just you got you have so many wide receivers on the on the roster, train them up and get them going. But at the end of the day, if you can't get if they can't get it done, I guess you have to go find it somewhere, right? Tyler, does one and one equal two in this scenario? Well, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> no, I mean with with. Oh shit, that was terrible analogy there. But no, like with what Troy Walters was saying, you know, yeah, he, you know, he, he, he made, those, he made those comments. He made those comments, and he basically acted on them. Derek, you're right. I, I felt wide receiver was my number third priority. Um, if we were going to bring in a transfer, yeah, we are almost full. Um, I don't know if that's an indication that where the wide receivers are. Maybe it's just they feel that they have a roster spot available and they want to go out and grab a guy, um, you know, more than the interior lineman or linebacker. But yeah, I, I just, I think it's a great move. I really do. If they, if they would have brought in a grad transfer quarterback, that would have been a waste. I thought, oh, but, they, but, but they did it. They went in and got a position. I think a guy who can contribute in a position that we need more depth in. Um, I think it's a great addition. Do you guys see this guy as uh, a starter? I mean, is he coming in to start, or is he coming in just to fill a roster spot or fill in some depth? So if if you look at that's hard to answer. I don't know what he's going to do here. I mean, but you know, talking about uh, you know what he brings to the table and all the stats. I mean, he is easily our most you know our second most uh, has the most yards. Second most experienced receiver is what I'm trying yeah. to say. I mean, he, he, he uh, if you look at our receivers, I mean, he, he is now second on the Nebraska career yardage at wide receiver. Uh, he beat out Jack Stoll, who was, uh, who was that second spot. I mean, no, I mean, from an experience standpoint, he did. Now, last year, he was banged up. He was injured. You know, we'll see what he brings to the table. I mean, we'll see if he can get back to where he was as a sophomore. Does the fact that he lines up under slot scare you guys any? Because that's pretty much J.D. Spielman's spot. Like, is he going to be able to move outside? Or are they going to move J.D. outside? I mean, I well, you know what? I, I don't know where he fits, where what his role will be uh, in, in that regard. But, he, you know, he obviously isn't going to take J.D.'s spot, you know? Well, yeah, I mean. But, and I don't know if he's. Is he going to find a different role in the receiving core? Uh, I don't know. Whose job's in jeopardy? That, that, that's what's going to be interesting to see how this plays out in the fall, to what, what his role is going to be. But uh, with what he's bringing to the table, it, it just sounds like he's a, probably a better option than anybody outside of J.D. So, so one last that's question for you guys before, before we – uh, move on to this interview with Adam. Uh, we, I, I've seen one to two scholarships available. Either way, we're just, we're pretty close to being full. Uh, with the uncertainty at running back, don't you think we ought to be looking more towards running back for a grad transfer than some of the, any other position at this point? Tanner, I'll let you go first. You know, I don't know. I mean, I just you got to believe the coaches are comfortable. If, if they're either they're not getting any luck with this, or they feel comfortable that Mo Washington and Dedrick Mills are both going to be in red, because if they both are, that running back is not in need. If they're not, yeah, huge gap. 
Yeah, it, it's really tricky. It's a tricky situation. You know, you have Maurice Washington. We're not going to find out anything, any more details till June. Uh, with Diedrich Mills, maybe we find out next week whether he is uh, makes the grades to be able to come to campus. I mean, we're really we're really pushing it there, you know, and it's. It's so up in the air, and it's a scary thought what happens to that white, uh, that running back room with the absence of those two guys. We put a poll question out on Twitter talking about if uh, if for some reason Maurice Washington and Diedrich Mills, if they can't play, uh, who who do you start? And uh, it's, it's it's tough because we don't have a premier guy. It's it's kind of like a. Well, let's hope this guy can do it, but there's not a premier guy. So I, I don't I don't know the answer, Derek, because of the uncertainty. I would almost say let's gamble, and if there's a great running back out there, grab him. But we got a lot of we got a lot of work that uh, at other position groups that we could probably use a guy, especially in the linebacking course. So I mean, uh, any other thoughts before we bring Adam on? Let's get Adam on. All right. Let's uh, dial Adam up. We now welcome in Adam McClintock, the college football professor. How's it going, Adam? It's good, guys. How are you? Oh, fantastic. Hey, uh, so it's been a while since you've been on the podcast. Uh, Would you remind our listeners what goes into the metrics? uh, What's the metrics that go into the model? Yeah, sure. I use uh, my model uses I try to keep it as simple as possible because, you know, I'm an engineer by trade and, you know, simplifying things is kind of, you know, something I I try to do everything. So I I try to keep it to five basic uh, variables that go into this model every year. It's it's um, um, coaching staff efficiency. It's which which includes the head coach, the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator separately. Um, It it includes. um, uh, returning production, both on offense and defense, uh, returning experience on, on offense and defense, um, roster talent, which is a major thing, um, and also uh, home field advantage for where that applies. So those are the five major things that uh, that always work and in, are cooked into the in, into the model, and and those are the, the basic things I use. I use it to crank this thing out every year. So uh, since you, you're always tweaking your uh, model, your system, mm-hmm. um, what changes did you incorporate into your model uh, this year from last year? Well, I, I added a couple elements that I think would, uh, would make it a little bit more entertaining, a little bit fresher to, to people who are maybe new to it. Um, along with, you know, it's always projected the spread for each game. That's something that's, that's always kind of been a staple with, with my model projection. But this year... I'm also integrating a uh, win percent chance or a win, uh, win percent of winning each game chance. So, for example, um, it has Florida as a 3.7 point favorite over Florida State, but it also gives Florida a 58.5% chance of winning that game. So now you, you can kind of go in and you can kind of see beyond what the spread projection is and see, okay, what, is, what does the model, what percentage chance does, does the model give an X team of beating team Y? So, um, it also, and also, and along with that, it um, it gives the most probable record. For example, for Florida, again, it's the most probable record, probable record for Florida next year is ten and two, with a seventy point six seventy six seventy point six percent chance of achieving that. With the next most likely record, uh, uh, nine and three, with a sixty nine percent chance of achieving that. Record. So, it kind of gives. Uh, uh, predicting uh, for each team. Um, another enhancement I include this year to, to, to have a metric that would allow the model to tell me exactly how confident it is in every projection. So um, it's on a scale from 1 to 10, and um, the higher the confidence, the less variance there should be away from the projected win-loss record. For example, um, I, I believe uh, with... For example, Nebraska, I believe that it has their, their schedule as seven and five, with the confidence level is five point eight out of ten. So it's there's some variance in there. It, it's 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 locked in at seven at seven and five, and that's the uh, 
that's the most probable white record it sees, but uh, the confidence level is kind of mid-range there. So it can just kind of give some more levels of, uh, of detail to, to every projection for every team. Well, those are the type of numbers that, you know, the cousins here, we just love. You know, we, we kind of enjoy putting a little, couple nickels on games throughout yeah. the season. So <laughs> we definitely love to look at your stuff here. Uh, let's talk about the results last year. How, how did you do last year? It, it did, you know, it, I, was, I was pleased with how it went last year. Um, regular season nationally throughout the entire uh, country, every game last year, it ended up uh, just under 76% straight up. Um, Las Vegas opening lines beat me by 0.38%. Wow. So it was basically a tie with the Vegas opening lines, which I like to beat the Vegas opening lines, but that was uh, uh, close enough for me last year that I can kind of – that I success 53.8% against the spread for every game. So um, that's still right at or just barely above the, the profit line of 53.5. Yeah. So um, uh, that was a good, something good to see. More specifically for people who are more interested in Big Ten games, um, the Big Ten straight seventy. Um, a little bit better against the spread than uh, than the model did overall nationally, but it was kind of right along the lines of straight up what was occurring nationally for the model last year. So right around that, right right right, right around that seventy six percent straight up line is kind of where it was at last year for for Nash, for every game that you, you can choose all year long. So I'm sorry, Adam. I think I lost you there when you were giving your Big Ten numbers. Can you repeat the Big Ten numbers again? Yeah, uh, Big Ten numbers. Straight up for every game in the Big Ten, it was seventy five point nine percent correct, right. and um, against the spread, it was fifty eight point four percent against the, uh, for every single Big Ten game. So, okay, good, Derek. All right, uh, Adam's great having you back. Uh, so, with your model, what? What team is your biggest surprise team this year compared to last year? Which, which team do you see taking the biggest jump? Well, you know, there's a few teams that I, I see some interesting things in. Uh, the first being Tennessee. Uh, it has Tennessee kind of uh, creeping back into rel- revel- re- relevancy. Um, um, it had Tennessee going 6-6 six and six last year, and Tennessee went 5-7, and seven, so it kind of had them pegged last year. This year, it's got them going nine and three, making a jump and getting nine wins. Uh, I the the roster talent in, in Knoxville, and uh, because of that, and because maybe a little bit of an easier schedule than they had in the years past, they um, it has them uh, going nine and three with a seventy four point nine percent chance of doing that. Um, the, the the another couple uh, things to watch this this next year. Watch Florida State. Um, they had a down year this 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 past year, but they made a good hire in the offseason. It might have been a controversial hire to to some, but they hired uh, Kendall Bryles as the offensive coordinator, and he is um, if not the best, he's in the top three uh, of offensive play callers in the country. That Florida State is going to outscore some people this year. And uh, has them going nine and three as well, kind of bouncing back, getting in that nine win range. Do they have um, an offensive line this year, though. You, you know, you know what? I, I, that's the same, that's kind of the same thing I thought too. But you go back and look at Florida Atlantic before Kendall Bryles got there, and they didn't have much of an offensive line either. He yeah. he plays that brand of ball like 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 they did at Baylor, where um, offensive line play is kind of not completely negated you know that's blasphemy for nebraska fans to hear and for me to say honestly but um <laughs> they get the ball out so quick in that offense that sometimes you can get away with average offensive line play when you know and that's kind of all they're going to get at florida state right now so yeah, um if, if, if he can get if he can get some some good quarterback play now he will have to get some good quarterback some good quarterback play to run that offense but but uh, then I, I expect Florida State to, to score some points. And, you know, besides, they're playing the ACC, um, really the only dominant team right out there right now in, is, is Clemson. Beyond that, everybody's kind of on the same plane. So um, I, I look for Florida State to, to, to really bounce back. Um, another couple things. Uh, 
I have Utah winning the Pac-12 South, which kind of seals the fate for uh, Clay Helton, I think, at USC. Um, I also have uh, the Big 12 kind of uh, becoming a mess at the end of the year. I have a three-way tie for second in the Big 12 between, I believe, uh, Texas, TCU, and West Virginia. Um, that would be a fun mess for them to untangle and decide who goes to go to the Big 12 championship game. So I kind of hope that happens. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, uh, that's, those are kind of the things to look for this year, kind of more exciting and, and uh, surprising things to, to look for. Uh, definitely watch Tennessee and Florida State. Though. Those are the two as I, I expect to, to kind of creep back into rel- rel- relevancy for sure. Okay. Great. I, I have to disagree with you a little bit on Florida State with uh, Hornerbrook out there as quarterback. I can't see that being the best guy to go to. <laughs> is Hornerbrook going to start? I don't know, but he, I don't think he helps you beat on the roster. So No. <laughs> if he starts, then, then maybe that negates the Kendall Browse effect because that guy's not a dynamic quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. No. But but if, if any, of, any of those other guys on that roster, if they start, I think they have the – Especially Cam Akers. Cam Akers is going to might is due to have a big year. Um, he's a very talented running back. Just kind of had nowhere to run the last few years behind the offensive line. So yeah. um, watch for him. If you're into college fantasy football at all, watch for Cam Akers to be a sleeper. <laughs> so, <laughs> you you have to think he at least thinks he's going to have a chance to start if he's left Wisconsin to go there, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, either that or he just is tired of being cold in Wisconsin and wants to go out to Florida State. And talk about it, you know? <laughs> it could be. could be. Uh, so, so on the opposite side of that spectrum, who, who do you see as the team taking the biggest fall from last year? Um, the team taking the biggest fall, uh, I think some people are going to be surprised at um, – oh, uh, Oh, Kansas State, I think is you know they're they've been a perennial six and seven win team, right? They might win two games this year, maybe three. Right. Uh, the reason being, I think they made a good hire um, with a hiring North Dakota State's you know Chris Kleiman, but Bill Snyder left that roster in such a disaster. It's in the seventies in roster talent. It's going to take a couple years for him to get some. So his guys in there, so, some 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 better talent, and raise that up to be able to play in the Big Twelve. Um, you know, there's only one Bill Snyder. I, I call him a wizard for a reason. It's because he would take you know roster talents that shouldn't you know that are barely AAC level and was winning six and seven games in a Power Five conference a year. So I mean, it's Kleiman's a good coach, but I don't think he's near the wizardry level of, of Bill Snyder at this point in his career. Um, Give him a couple of years to get his guys in there and get his program established. I believe that that he uh, that we'll see Kansas State back in that six and seven win range. But this first year is going to be rough. So, who wins more games this year, Kansas State or Kansas? Uh, oh man, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I still say Kansas State because because uh, it, it kind of depends on Puka Williams. Is he back on the Kansas roster or not? Um, that's a dynamic player that less smiles. There's not too many of those guys in Lawrence. So uh, if he gets Puka Williams back, that could be a game or two right there, just, you know, um, in itself. Uh, but, yeah, that, that'll be interesting to see who wins that Sunflower State rivalry game. Because <laughs> <laughs> it might be the toilet bowl for the next year or so. Yeah, I won't be tuning in for that one, I promise. No, no. <laughs> Unless he bets on it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Another right. team to, to watch taking a massive drop is Georgia Tech. And uh, that's just because, I mean, we've kind of experienced that to some degree as Husker fans, switching from a uh, run-based option offense to a West Coast offense and just kind of the, the growing pains there. Um, Georgia Tech is doing that even to a greater extent, going from, you know, the wishbone, or not the wishbone, but the um, – the uh, the Navy style uh, triple option, Paul, triple option, Paul Johnson option, option offense to a uh, Jeff Collins's uh, pro style attack, which is more run based, but it's still it's it's a pro style running running run the football attack. Um, those players just really aren't on the roster right now to run that offense, and uh, that they can struggle and even in the ACC this year. So I see Georgia Tech maybe winning one or two games and. Uh, 
and uh, taking three or four years to rebuild that thing back up. Um, they need to they need to give him at least three or four years to before they decide on whether he is worth the contract extension or not, because it's going to take some time. That's funny. I had told Justin uh, when they when they hired that coach that to look to look to bet the under on Georgia Tech's win loss. Yeah, uh, for that same exact reason, because Nebraska fans know all too well from going to a run game to a pro style game. So, yeah, that's uh, tough. It's it tough. is. All right. Uh, so, is there any team out there that you could see? I don't know, crashing the playoff for the first time, or I mean, everybody's kind of got Alabama, Clemson as the, as the locks, and it hasn't really been a lot of parity in the playoff so far since we've since it's came in in twenty fourteen. So. Are we going to see any yeah. new teams in there anytime soon? Well, um, yeah, it's kind of been a snooze fest the last three or four years, hasn't it? Just kind of, you know, kind of, you know, golden state of the NBA, you know. <laughs> it's, the, <laughs> it's just kind of, you know, kind of determining who's going to be the, the, the sacrificial lambs to those two teams. But this year I, I, I do see uh, one team that has a chance to make it for the first time ever. Um, uh, Michigan is, is set up well to uh, make a run they um, of anybody to, to be the first to get in the, to, uh, in, in the NCAA playoffs game. So the reason being is they have a lot of retooling to do on defense, but Don Brown is an excellent defensive coordinator and he has some young talent to work with. So I don't think the defense is going to drop off quite as fast as what people are anticipating there. And um, they have kind of made the switch to open up the offense a little bit. And if they do that, if they stay true to that, um, they have a pretty talented freshman running back in Zach. I think his name is Zach Charbonnet um, coming in, who's very dynamic, will be good in, in open space. Um, they'll, if, they, if they unleash Patterson like like they are said to do, and like they supposedly showed in the spring, um, they've got some talented receivers to go with that, and they will be able to score. So um, I, I do see – plus, you know, besides, Urban Meyer is out of the conference. So that's kind of been Harbaugh's bugaboo. Um all those things given, I see Michigan as the one team who hasn't been to the playoff who might crash it and, and get in for the first play, first time this year and give us a little bit of new blood, or at least a you know a new sacrificial lamb for Alabama and Clemson. <laughs> so. Right. All right, so just, just one last question for you, Adam. Uh, huh? So everybody knows that, that Alabama and Clemson are supposed to be in the playoff. It happens every year. But mm-hmm. just out of sheer morbid curiosity – which team do you have with the best chances of getting left out of the playoff? Out of those two. Uh, between Alabama and Clemson? Yeah. Um, right now I have uh, Alabama is, is the most likely not to get in the playoff just because of, of strength of schedule. Um, Clemson, you know, they, they really – the ACC is really down this year. Um, they they kind of have – a. a um, much easier path to get there. Alabama at least has to play LSU and they have to play Georgia in the, in the SEC title game, probably again, and they have to play um, Auburn and they have to play some, some teams with some real talent and, 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 and are real threats. Uh, Clemson really doesn't. Um, so Clemson actually has a higher percentage chance of, of making the playoff than Alabama does according to my model. Um, but it's not by much. And both those teams are, are pretty much locks to get in. The only way I see Alabama stumbling is maybe if Georgia gets them this year in the SEC, SEC title game. But I just I can't really see that happening. And I, I think it's more likely to see those two both in there than to see one of them out. You got both teams as double digit favorites in every game, right? Um, yes, I believe so. <laughs> pretty much. I was kind of depressed to see that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so let's go ahead and get to the main event. Let's talk about Nebraska. Obviously, okay. we are a Husker podcast. Uh, you know, we you have we found you through your love of Nebraska, also. So, what what does your model say for the Huskers this year? Well, this year, the most probable record I have for Nebraska is seven and five right now. Um, it has them at a it gives them a sixty six point five percent chance of getting that record. The next most probable prob, probable record is six and six at sixty six point one percent, and the third most probable probable record is eight and four with sixty five point nine percent chance. So you see, there's not there's about a uh, one and a half percent difference between seven and five and eight and four. 
So um, there's, you know, there's a chance that they can get eight, eight wins in there. Um, but the, the, the problem that the model sees with Nebraska this year is just the returning production. Um, a lot of receiving yards went out the door. A lot of rushing yards went out the door. Um, and, you know, and while there's talent there, the, the overall rock talent has upgraded. The, uh, the, the returning production, returning experience isn't quite there yet enough to, to bump them up into the, to the eight, nine, 10 win category. Now the, the, the ceiling, the record ceiling, if Nebraska would win all the toss up games, which right now I'm all considers a seven point game. Um, it has an 11 one, but that's very unlikely. There, there's ha- there has to, uh, they, they have to win all six toss up games, which can happen, but it's, it's usually not, doesn't usually go that way. Um, if my opinion on this on the on Nebraska team this year, I can see eight and four, seven and five being the most likely outcomes for Nebraska. Yeah, I, th- I think that's kind of where <laughs> we are coming in for this season. Um, uh, so just make sure. So, but your model right now has six wins is more probable than eight wins. Exactly. Uh huh. Wow, that is depressing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 After this, so. Um, Okay, well, let's talk about that. When you are looking at Nebraska, obviously there's a lot of toss-up games in that equation. There's a, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of things to look at. So what do you see as kind of the toughest games? You know, if you if you were to go in and rank the three toughest games on Nebraska's schedule, well, what would they be? How do you see kind of the tougher games uh, for the Huskers this year? Well, obviously Ohio State at home is going to be the toughest game of the schedule. Um, I know they have a coaching change. They have a new quarterback. They have, you know, a few new pieces there, but Ohio State is still Ohio State. When they come in, that's going to be a big game. Um, that's going to be the toughest game of the year for, for the Huskers. Uh, uh, next toughest game is actually uh, Iowa at home. Um, it's kind of shocking to hear, but I, the model right now has Iowa winning the West. Um, by the way, it has the Big Ten West as kind of a – it's, it's a mess this year. The, the Big Ten West is a mess this year. There's – three or four teams that could win it between Nebraska, Minnesota, Northwestern, Iowa, and Wisconsin, and Purdue. That's going to be a, a free-for-all. It's going to be really, really entertaining to watch. Um, but uh, uh, Iowa comes out of that, you know, un- the most uh, likely to be un- uh, have, the, have the best conference record at least. Um, so they are the next toughest game. Uh, the next t- toughest game after that is, of course, Wisconsin. So, um which you know, Iowa, Wisconsin, has them both as toss-up games. So those are those aren't out of the out of the realm of possibility for for wins. But uh, those uh, the Ohio State game it has is a pretty much a definite loss at this point. So you know, listen to you talk right now, and it kind of where we were. You know, me and Justin, at least uh, Derek's in the La La Land over there. You know, <laughs> there, there there's a lot of media out there giving Nebraska top twenty-five ranking. You know, take your bias out of this. Obviously, we all want that, but is your model supporting that fact that we're a top twenty-five team yet? Not yet. No, it hasn't. Right now, my my model has them preseason at thirty-ninth. Um, which you know, to me as a Nebraska fan, is disappointing. <laughs> and I want to see that up, you know, up in the you know at least the twenty-five to thirty range, but it has them at thirty-ninth. Um, mostly because of the reason I said earlier, just returning production isn't there. Um, the talent, like I said, the talent had, took a, a actually a three spot jump off after after Scott Frost's roster turnover. So that's that's good. The roster talent is heading in the right direction, but now the issue is experience and actually guys who have done it. There's a lot of of, of guys who could do good things, but they haven't yet, and that's that's the problem right now with with this roster. Um, that's kind of what the model is pointing out as well. Um, now, like I said, there's, there's a lot of games I'm counting one, two, two games that has his losses that are losses by less than one point. So that's, those are some pretty, uh, pretty close toss-up games. It has Nebraska losing to Northwestern by, by one point and has Nebraska losing to Purdue by a half a point. So you win those two games, and that seven and five goes to a nine and three. So it's th- that that's the kind of nice edge we're we're, we're bouncing on right now for this Nebraska season. Um, 
it could go it could go either way and that's kind of why i said early on that the 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 model confidence in that in that record is is uh, a five out of ten because the model just isn't really for sure it, it it recognizes that that the roster talent is there to have a breakthrough and the coaching staff is solid but it doesn't know what to do with the lack of returning production um, to go with that so if Nebraska comes out and, and and blows out the first three or four opponents I expect the uh, the model to adjust itself and that win total to go up. But as of right now, it, it, it's kind of, like I said, on that knife's edge, kind of t- trying to decide what's going to win out the, the, the upgraded roster talent or the lack of returning production. Adam, your model doesn't really like our out-of-conference schedule, does it? I mean, it it's, thinks the out-of-conference schedule is pretty weak, which it is, but uh, your model is not friendly to South Alabama <laughs> or Northern Illinois by no stretch of the imagination. Not at all. In Northern Illinois, some of that is because they lost their head coach and they're starting over. Um, it has Nebraska winning that game by two touchdowns, which they should win that game by two touchdowns in, in, in Lincoln. Um, South Alabama, it's got to win that game by three touchdowns. You know, that's another game that just on sheer talent, Nebraska should, and, and the coaching staff ability should, should win that game by three touchdowns. Um, at Colorado is going to be a, a fun litmus test because uh, it's Boulder. You know, think weird things happen in Boulder. They always have. It's got us win that game by five points. So if we can go out there and we can put Colorado down by two or three touchdowns, then, that, then that's when to start. To get, when that's when to start to to look at that Ohio State game with a little bit uh, more excitement because uh, it's uh, things that might have turned around quicker than what the model has projected. I'll tell you what, after an 0-6 start last year, if we can op- start the season at 4-0, I don't care what the competition is. I'll take it, you know? Oh, I'm with you. I'm <laughs> with you. That 0-6 start was brutal last year. <laughs> yeah, it was. So so I got one more question for you. You know, the, oh. right now in Husker land, there's a lot of, uh, you know, talk with guys like Mo Washington. And, you know, will he play? Won't he play? Um, you know, Dedrick Mills, will he play? Won't he play? So, you know, if a guy like Mo Washington doesn't play at all this season, let's say he's out for the year, how much does your model or does your model take that into consideration? Um, and does that really affect much of what the output would be for the season? Yeah, it would. It would. Um, because he he had some production last year and he right now I have this is these are the projections with Mo Washington playing. Now, it doesn't. Did all Dedrick Mills right now would be doing is he contributed to the uh, roster talent uh, boost. Um, if neither one of those guys play uh, or come August, it doesn't appear that they're going to be you know available to play. I'll uh, I go through and I update all my rosters two weeks before the season starts to 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 account for injuries and transfers and suspensions and etc. All that stuff and uh, I you know, uh, lock in the rosters at that point and, 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 uh, the base model is, is what it is at, at that point. We're getting, getting ready for season for week one, but yeah, I will update the rosters again once, once more in June and I'll re- re-release the, 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 the preview again in June. And then uh, the last time I'll update and release is in August. And, uh, that's basically what I'm doing. When I'm updating is I'm updating, um, rosters to, to, uh, to account for transfers and injuries and suspensions and, and what that does not only to the returning production, but also to the roster talent numbers for each of these teams. Sounds like you need to get an intern there, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> well, uh, you know, Adam, we, we absolutely love your model, your, all your analytics. We love having you on. Uh, tell us how people can view and subscribe to all your work in analytics. Yeah, sure. You can you can find me on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash CFB underscore professor. Or you can find me on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter account has uh, my Patreon account linked to it. So just look for at, at CFB underscore professor on at Twitter. And that's that's where you'll find most everything. So. Okay, awesome. We, we love it. We'll spread the word uh, when we tweet out the show. So uh, any final thoughts, Adam? Oh man, I, I really hope that uh, that uh, roster talent 
wins out of that returning production battle. Because I would really love to see a nine and three season this year. That would I would be flying pretty high at that point. We see nine and three. This worm's turning pretty fast, so get ready. <laughs> I, you know yeah. what? I'm, I've been beat down so much. I, I'll take a bowl season. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> not having bowl yeah. season ruined. <laughs> that's what I. That's what I've been telling people is we get to seven wins and 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 into a bowl game, we're on track. So be yeah. patient. We will be patient indeed. All right, Adam. Thank you for your time, and we'll get you on again. Thanks, thanks, guys. Awesome. All right, cool. Man, that was a lot of fun, guys. I love when Adam comes on the show, man. He just brings so much knowledge. Uh, But it's time to get out of here. It's time for last call. Last call to you, Tyler. My last call goes to the NBA draft. Um, I was sitting there last night, guys, watching the draft. And for a brief moment, I thought there was a chance that the Lakers may have won the Zion spree and i i was freaking out like i was so pissed that lebron might get lucky turned out didn't happen they finished fourth but it looks like new orleans has won the zion contest what do you guys think about the draft are you guys excited to see zion entering the nba i think lebron's going to uh new orleans now (laughs) i don't know Uh, he's the best from, from everything I've heard, Zion has not hired an agent yet, so he could still go back to uh, Duke if he don't like where he's going to go. So if he doesn't like New Orleans, he's still got options. Yeah. Oh wow! Who's out on Who's out on twenty million dollars? That that makes sense. If that's not where you want to be, I guess he'll do just fine there. He will do just fine. Do you guys understand the hate on New Orleans? Like that seems like a. It's not freaking Oklahoma City. This is, I mean, it's not like, well, well, it's not well, Indiana, it's not Chicago, like, go, New Orleans would be a fun place to live. Sure as hell not oh, St. Louis, but I mean, you know, at the end of the day, let me ask you this, does Anthony Davis, do you think Anthony Davis has any thought of staying there if they get Zion? He should. I have no idea. It. It almost seems like he just doesn't want to be there anyway. I don't and, know and how Zion does. Well, that's the other question: is how would New Orleans take it if he decides to stay? Like he's come out and pretty much said he's interested in all twenty nine teams other than New Orleans. Yeah. It's... So now, if you want to decide to stay, I mean, how, how stupid do you look? Well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, go ahead. Last call to you, Derek. All right, I'll start. I got. I got. I'm just going to do a baseball roundup here because I love baseball. And well, the Huskers locked in uh, their Big Ten tournament bid and looking fairly decent for a uh, tournament bid at number three seed, possibly after beating Arizona State in the series this weekend. They got a big series with uh, Michigan this coming up weekend, where I read we could finish anywhere from first to seventh in the stand the Big Ten standings after this. Depending, we would need a lot of help to get to first, but it's still possible that we could win the conference. Uh, on other news, uh, my Chicago Cubs, Justin Chicago Cubs here, and he he was willing to give up on the Cubs. I think a lot of the Cubs fans were when they started off two and seven, and now all of a sudden they're twenty three and seven. Pitchers ERA went from seven point three to two point three two, which leads the majors. Uh, they haven't lost a series since the Brewers right before. But when they were in this two and seven skid, uh, the Cubs suddenly are the hottest team in the league, and I'm loving it. Tyler, what do you got to say about those Cubs? Well, I, I mean, I just I, I'm sorry to all of our listeners. So there have been two um, polls that I've read on recently. One that I conducted, and one from the LA Times that the Cubs are one of the most hated team in baseball. So to all of our listeners out there, please continue to listen. Um, that no one, I don't like the Cubs. You're not alone. Just ignore these two when they talk about baseball because I get it. We all hate the Cubs. That is wrong. Hey, why don't you comment on Husker baseball now, Tyler? Yeah, it's awesome that, you know, we, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Sounds like we're going to make the tournament. Sounds like we're on the bubble to make the NCAA tournament. Um, yeah, we'll we'll see what comes. Uh, I yeah, I 
I would love to watch a baseball game. It just unfortunately, no one in the world cares about college baseball, so that's not really an option. Tyler hates the Cubs, and he hates college baseball. It's absolutely ridiculous. It doesn't matter how great Nebraska is. You know what? I don't even. I'm not even convinced, Derek, that if Nebraska made it to the College World Series, I still don't think that Tyler would give a shit. I don't even think he would tune in. I would. What do you expect from a Dirty Bird fan? I mean, I guess. I, but, I'm just saying. I just the, the the difference between me and you, you two. I'm like the rest of the world. The rest of the world doesn't care about college baseball, and the rest of the world hates the Cubs. I I am the normal one here. You two are the outsider. This is why you get hate mail there, Tyler. I mean, a lot of Husker hey, fans are Cubs fans. To everybody you know? listening, at Shafe Mania, hate mail the hell out of him. <laughs> no, but Derek, you know, Cubs, yeah, I was, I'm so glad they turned it around because that pitching for the Cubs there in the beginning of the year was completely atrocious. But this team is going to go somewhere. I can't wait till we get Zobris back. Uh, we'll really be lethal. But uh, as far as the Huskers go, Husker baseball, my God. You know what? A week or two ago, I was part of those people that just said, okay, the season's over. They just kind of laid down and died. But my God, against Arizona State, that was awesome. And uh, I'm really anxious to see what happens against Michigan this weekend. This is this is going to be a fun series. And my God, if we can win the series – Oh my God! If we sweep it, oh my goodness! Well, just just so, just so everybody knows, the Nebraska the Michigan series has been changed up a little bit. We're now going to be playing Thursday and probably two games on Friday because it sounds like weather is not going to allow us to play on Saturday. And then NCAA, right. yeah, and NCAA will not allow us to play on Sunday because it's too close to the Big Ten tourney. So, wow, that uh, that could be an issue there. Hey, uh, I want to keep it with Husker baseball real quick. I saw a uh, a tournament projection that has Nebraska as a three seed in the Louisville bracket. So that's pretty cool. Uh, even today, you know, three seed, I'll take it. A couple of weeks ago, I didn't think there was a chance in hell that we would be in the postseason. A couple of weeks ago, people were saying they wouldn't even make the Big Ten tournament. So who knows with this team? Good job, Darren Nurstad. We're, we're loving it. Uh, all right, so that is going to be last call to me. And my last call has to go to Fred Hoiberg and the Husker Hoops. I tell you, the, the job that Fred Hoiberg has done in the short time at Nebraska is nothing but stellar. I mean, he came to campus. He took a look at the roster, and he basically said, I can't win with any of you guys. He ran off a lot of the players there. And he's kept uh, four right now. Maybe Roby comes back. Maybe he doesn't. He has till May 29th to decide. But he's bringing in all of this talent. Big guys. Big guys that can shoot. He just brought in a guy today, Derek Walker, uh, a former Tennessee forward. That's like three guys in the last week. Uh I am so anxious. I, I I can't wait for basketball season to start next year. I'm getting so excited. Derek, we were talking about Husker basketball not too long ago, and we were kind of like looking at the roster, and we kind of thought, you know what? Who wants to come in and coach those guys? You know, What are they going to do next year? They're not going to do anything. That's all out the window, man. It's complete roster turnover. I'm so stoked for Husker basketball, Derek. You know, usually at the beginning of the, year, the football year, I always have to print out a roster and maybe a depth chart or a depth chart at least, kind of get a feel for who all's playing and kind of get a feel for all their names. I've never done this for basketball this year. I might have to because there is like nobody left on this team. I don't know if I know any of these guys and. I can't wait for basketball to start just so I can hear some of these announcers tell me how to pronounce some of their names because the only one I can pronounce probably accurately is Cam Mack. The rest of them yeah. are all, like, just out there. I don't know how – that French guy, I don't, know how to, I don't know how you pronounce his name whatsoever. No idea. And uh, so, so I'm kind of curious just, just for that reason alone for basketball to start. So well, Fred Hoiberg well, is doing an awesome job turning that roster around. There's no doubt about it. Chris Bassnett of the Lincoln Journal-Star, he sent out – 
he uh, wrote an excellent article that I encourage everybody to go look at if you love Husker Hoops like we do. Uh, it's called Husker Hoops Roster Breakdown, a near total flip in one month. And he breaks down the roster. I mean, he gives great data. You're talking about the people you know, can't even pronounce. There's like five different countries represented on this roster. Maybe it's seven. I, I, I don't recall. I don't have the article in front of me, but it's uh, excellent. Tyler, get in on this last call. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, you look at the turnover. I mean, we've seen multiple grad transfers. Um, Juco is coming in. And then, you know, today kind of maybe the best get of them all was uh, uh, Samurai Curtis coming in, a former Mr. Ohio basketball. Um, I, I mean, you, you, you look at what he's doing, revising this roster. Uh, the question is, is how good are all these guys? Um, but drastic measures were required. He has taken them. I am psyched to at least see what happens this first year. Because, again, I, I I had penciled in this first year thinking if, yeah, if we finish in the top 10 of the Big Ten, that would be a miracle. And now I, I have no idea what to make of this team. I, I don't know if they're going to be any good. But uh, I, I am definitely anxiously awaiting to see their performance. So we're sitting at 14 scholarships right now. Uh, we've got Roby on the sidelines, and you got Thor. What, what do you guys think? Speculate away there, Tyler. I think Roby's going pro. I, I yeah. just I, – I, it, it sounds like he has a legit chance to be drafted. Uh, you know, does a second-round draft get him in the NBA – I don't know, but I hope Roby comes back, but I don't know what we're going to do with Curtis if he does. I guess by Thor. Yeah. Derek? I, I assume that Roby's gone. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I guess either way, Thor's probably never going to see the court anymore. So It's, it's funny this, the uh, body size that this coach is going after. Right now, it looks like they're all the same size as a Scott Frost offensive tackles. <laughs> Only lighter. <laughs> and not, they some of them not even really. Hell, one of them is like 6'8", uh, 260 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. But these guys can shoot. That's the difference right there. All right, guys. Fun episode tonight. Loved it. Uh, big thanks to Adam McClintock. For joining us, uh, follow him on Twitter at CFB underscore professor. Great stuff. Subscribe to his Patreon site. Again, great stuff. Uh, we'll have him back on. Just love talking to the guy. Uh, be sure to follow the Husker Cuzcast on Twitter at Husker Cuzcast. Like us on Facebook. Our episodes can be found everywhere to include Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Write us a five-star review on whatever platform you listen on. Give us some feedback. We appreciate hearing what the listeners like and hate about the show. Uh, On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. And as always, go Big Red. Go Big Red.